The mic is listening. The mic is listening. The mic. The mic is listening. 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 Good evening. Welcome to the Mike is listening. My name is Sia and it's another Wednesday. So happy hump day, everyone. Whew. It's been a wonderful January it went by so fast. And now we're looking at February. It's almost as if time is flying by super fast. And I put me in a bit of a panic mode because as a creator, as someone that helps creators create their own content, I can't believe how much work that needs to be done to calendar to make sure that your content is in order and all that good stuff. And, and social media is just not my bag. I enjoy it personally, but for professionally, it is hard work. So for all the social media managers out there, uh, kudos to you. I have nothing but profound respect for you and your discipline because there are days that I look at all of the platforms out there and I'm just like, I'm over it. So on a positive note, though, want to talk about something that about self-promotion and branding. So I am right now self-promoting, if you will, my own, you know, whatever the hell I do, which is basically all things podcasting, consider me the easy button. But I've been noticing, uh, you know, digital content and marketing and personal branding, where I kind of feel like at times there are individuals that, I don't know, I, I think there are ways we could go about personal branding, which doesn't borderline into pure vanity posts. And it looks a little bit more look at me and less about how can I help you. And so I'd love your feedback on it. And one of the gentlemen that, you know, was really uh, helpful in guiding and kind of giving me some perspectives. I asked him to join uh, the Mike is listening today show because I think our content we're going to be talking about today is going to be all about it. So I would love to welcome our good friend, Mr. Red Stastrom. Welcome, Red. Hey, how goes it? <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. You even got the name right, even though it sounds like Ikea furniture. Uh, well, you know, I was going to ask you, where's, uh, where's the derivation of that? I think Swedish, but I'm like German, Irish, Swedish, so very pasty, heavy drinking, hating the English. Like, that's somewhere <laughs> in there. It's just a mix of consonants and not enough vowels that make sense. So what if it, what if you uh, find out you've got a lot of English in your like majority? What are you gonna are you gonna handle? Oh, that I, well? I've already had that DNA test. So oh, you have oh, okay. Yeah, actually, so my mother's maiden name is Dunphy, which is like cheap plastic bottle whiskey over in Ireland. I've been trying to get a bottle forever, and I just can't get it here in the states, and it's driving me nuts. So I just have to go over there and get it. <laughs> you know what's funny? When I was out there, I didn't. Well, shockingly, I traveled with teetotalers, so um, I did not get to imbibe. I li literally drove through and drove past, like, we were up in Newcastle in uh, England and then Dublin and yeah. Guinness. And, like, I mean, I, I mean, I, I didn't stop at any of those places. I can't believe I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you need to stop and at least do one of them. Like, I've, like even here in the States, there's a Guinness brewery down in the um, Annapolis area. Like, you at least have to try there. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah. Oh. We went there. My uh, brother-in-law got married. We went there the night before as like not quite the bachelor party-ish thing, but just like, hey, it's the night before you're getting married. We're going to the Guinness Brewery. Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah so no. it was a blast. Yeah. Like, I can't recommend it enough because although like 
it might be a little stereotypical that I like the Guinness brewery. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like Guinness, but I heard that the Guinness out, you know, not in the States is different than when it's out in Ireland. That That's what I've heard too, but I haven't gotten over there yet. Like it's just not someplace it's on the list it's on the very short list but my wife overrode me and we're doing disney as the next vacation as opposed to ireland well when you have a toddler i think uh you are oh no it's to do not toddle for things it's for my wife like, like i there is no pretense there it's my wife wanted to go to disney hey i'm not gonna knock it i, I actually worked at disney in california for almost six and almost seven years That's and awesome. uh I remember taking my boyfriend out there, just me and him, no nieces and nephews. Yeah. And it was a blast. Going as adults is so much more fun. But I get it. You're a family man. and Well, it, well she's it, only, she'll be 22 months at that point. She's not going to remember it. It's for me and my <laughs> wife to act up and like get out of the, get out of the house after the last year and a half or two years now. Right. And that's just what it is. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, if you can relive your youth and just, you know what it is? It's embracing that magic again. It's like opening yourself up to say, I want to experience that moment uh, of elation as a child, of wonder, of, you know, just enjoying the moment. And I think that's something that I'd like for us to talk about today. Because when you and I were like chatting it up, and by the way, we were chatting up, literally texting each other. I don't think we've ever actually talked, have we? No, not yet. Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Yeah. but uh, it, it that, is, is, is having that wonder and curiosity, but also um, creativity to to do things differently like Disney did. And it goes back to what I was talking about earlier about personal branding and, um, you know, just putting yourself out there like things like this. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, you are the unsales guy. Yes. And I've seen your posts. And I absolutely love them because they're so thoughtful. You're far more well written than I could ever be. Like, I think like. I'm shocked that I can actually read all of your posts because my ADD is like whoop, after like a paragraph or two type thing. And so that's kudos to you, sir, that you write really, um, I think, really valuable insights on. Well, the, the I will say, like, I'm completely the opposite when I read my own writing. And, and like when you were talking last month about perfection and imperfection, yes. people have been telling me how much they love my writing. But to me, it's so imperfect because I tend to think much more of like these big words, these big things. And when I write, I just like kind of stream of consciousness, put it out there. I think, I think there are, see, the thing is, I think there are those that are like very thoughtful and like they, they, their words are Spartan. Like they Mm -hmm. boom. It's like a gosh. And this is where I'm gonna have to go back to my 10th grade. Like, you know, reading, if I remember it was um, God who wrote light in August like it's just all the words were purposeful. It was short, and then you get Dickens that was like super flowery and blah 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 kind of thing. Stream of consciousness to me, mm-hmm. if you have a creative brain, I think it's almost poetic how yes. it comes out. It's almost like um when you go to the coffee houses and you hear the stream of conscious like you know poets coming out. I think that's like it's mesmerizing. Well, for me, it's so the study of. Uh that I actually look at, it's called the flesh Kincaid scale. And it's actually a grading of how integrate, like how intense a person's writing is. So somebody like Hemingway, he actually wrote at a fourth or fifth grade level because most of his words were short words with a lot of power, a lot of meaning behind it, love, hate, things like that. 
Meanwhile, you have somebody like, um, I'm just going to think Patrick Rothfuss because I have a name of the wind poster right here. He is a little bit more flowery. He is polysabolic, so to speak. Ah. And that, as much as I love it, I love that flow. I love finding the right word rather than a bunch of small words. It doesn't translate as well when you're writing. When you're trying to create a brand, those big, complicated words, that writing like a physics professor doesn't work. It's <laughs> you, you almost need to talk in grunts. <laughs> hey, I can do that very well. <laughs> that, that, that's basically what I usually do anytime before 10 a.m. <laughs> okay so so let's talk about this because okay so what i was trying to get at yesterday uh in my post and it, it was just bothering me and I, and i'm trying to be very positive because i'm i'm a big fan of all ships rise with the tide i will support mm -hmm. you even if i disagree with you you know that i'm that kind of personality where I, that's my goal in life that's my mission if you will but i'm noticing a trend on linkedin and i, I guess call me grandma i'm okay with that too but i don't want LinkedIn to turn into an Instagram vibe where it's look at me, I'm pretty and look at me, I'm, I'm sitting here and then putting a quote overlay. Now, I, I, I think it's cool sometimes, but I'm noticing a trend where there's certain personalities that that's all they do. It's all pictures of themselves. It's all images or quotes, either it's theirs or someone else's that they've copied. And I, I grow bored of that and I grow tired of it, but I don't want to say I'm critical of it because maybe it's, maybe I'm haterating, but they get the most views because they're a quote, good looking, or there's something about them that people want to look at them. And that's where I think I'm irking right now. And I'm trying to like work my way through this red. So walk and, me. And I've been seeing it the same way over and over again. And I know it's what you need in some, like if you're a fitness instructor, you, you have to show off your body. Like that is right. part of your brand is your body or whatever. That like that's, That makes sense. <laughs> but in, in terms of like, I talk sales and the first 50 of my podcast, I did in my workshop. I did it in a plain t-shirt. It's about knowing who you are, knowing what imperfections you have, enjoying them, mm -hmm. and just going for it. The, the people don't like you when you're perfect. Nobody likes that morning news anchor with the perfectly quaffed hair and their cup of coffee. And, oh, well, let me tell you about the weather today. That's they not don't. what they like. They don't, but that's what, that's what like, irks me is, but they get the eyeballs. They get, they I don't. mean, it's human nature. They do. They don't always. They, they they seem to be getting the eyeballs, but that's mostly because of their networking and things like that. Um, think about reality TV stars. How many people are attracted to those personalities who are, quite frankly, often train wrecks? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you, you watch enough. If you watch enough reality TV, I am convinced your television will contract syphilis. But... <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but when you're watching these people, like that's what's engaging is yeah. that train wreck, that jackass mentality of them just having fun being who they are with their own flaws. Yeah. No, but I I'm, LinkedIn is just a different animal because people reward the wrong things as opposed to rewarding personality. They're rewarding perfection because that's what they think professional is. And it's not anymore. I love that. So let's talk about that. Again, it, oh, thank you for bringing back perfection and imperfection. I think there is, I think in our traditional brains, our brains that we think of traditional businesses, if I am here and we're doing business 
in a transactional way, if I show flaws, therefore mm -hmm. there's an assumption that I'm not going to be able to give you a deliverable that is going to be acceptable to you, et cetera. I think that's the old school way. I think the, the, as we have progressed as, you know, especially with social media is that no, everything hits the fan at some point, everything's imperfect. The question is how do we work together to make it as perfect as it possibly can be. And that's a hard thing for, I think, more mature professionals to accept vulnerability. And I think amongst our peer group, do we accept vulnerability from them? Well, I can't even say that word, vulnerability <laughs> from them, right? Like, I mean, I, I think the younger generations get it. I think it's, you know, I'm Gen X and I think, you know. I, I, I'm older Gen Y, I'm older millennial. And and I think you're you're at that cusp. I think where you dance in between. I think you kind of like you know whatever suits you guys. I'm kidding. No. Um, with that being said, I did not embrace social media at all until about three years ago. I did not like it until I started see. I don't care that my aunt had a ham sandwich. I just don't. Mm. <laughs> it, it's not. But the more I start noticing and. and Pay attention to the big media companies because they're the ones who are doing it the best, quite frankly. Like, pay attention to the Disney's, the AB, the Disney, ABC is owned by Disney, but the Viacoms. Pay attention to what they do. They create those flaws, even if they aren't there. Um, I was watching HGTV the other day, and they made up a conflict in order to make oh. the show more interesting. Wow. Oh, we want to knock down this wall, but it's a load-bearing wall. Anybody worth their salt in construction knows what a load-bearing wall is. <laughs> like, we I, could pretty I get much pick it up right away and just know, like, no, that's load-bearing, that's load-bearing, just the way yeah. the house is laid out. But by creating that flaw, that mistake that really didn't happen and was a reality producer script, they create that likability. We get to see them deal with conflict, mm -hmm. and it makes that person more engaging. Well, it's, it's a story arcing. It's storytelling. Exactly. Right. And I think, okay, so let me ask you this because I, I actually, and this was over a couple uh old fashions and I think it was, I think I was, I think I'm in a mood this morning, Red. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be positive here, but um, maybe I should have an old fashioned now, darn it. But, but, um, but that's a whole nother thing is this cult of toxic positivity. Uh, Nobody yes. is positive all the time. In fact, 70% of our thoughts tend to drift towards the negative because that's the way our brains are wired. We're wired towards survival and we need to think what can go wrong. Yeah. So no. by yeah. taking this, oh, well, la-di-da attitude, people don't trust you eventually <laughs> because they feel like you're just wearing rose-colored glasses and you don't see the whole picture. Exactly. I think that's what it is, is like, it's almost like you, it's almost that image I have, I can see where someone is like standing, it's like Humpty Dumpty standing on the wall while it's crumbling and he's smiling saying, hey, everything's all right, kind of thing, right? And it's yeah. like, dude, I see what's going on, stop faking it. But okay, so let me, let me talk to you about this then, because, and hey, street taco eater, nice to see you, my friend, um, <laughs> is, is, there was an individual who was giving advice on how to be more LinkedIn influential, okay? And, um, this really struck a chord with me. So I want your feedback on this and anyone else in street taco eater. I know you're going to join me on this one. This individual is a millennial and they are wildly successful, have a ton of followers, blah, blah, blah. Right. She's talking to an audience of people that are gen X and above. Mm -hmm. And she showed 
like her story. She shared her story of saying, look, I'm all about authenticity. You got to show your vulnerabilities, which I 100% agree. What I didn't agree with is there's got to be um, a, a line, a balance, right? Because you don't want to throw up your personal life thing. And I have warts on my feet the other day. And, oh, boy, I overcame that. And, woo, and it just puffed out. And, oh, my gosh, and then gangrene happened. And I overcame <laughs> that. Like, there's a point where I think people need to understand you, you can be authentic to yourself, share an experience. But I don't think you need to get down to the nitty-gritty that I think, you know, American Idol kind of did it as well. Like, they just go into that sob story. Now, I love that there has to be substance Mm -hmm. right to connect to people to get that attention and so I'm, I'm calling you out here street taco eater i absolutely agree there has to be a real reason to connect and it's not just simply pure emotion right and i i, I think i have to modify a statement that i was saying i used to say because i'm saying it i'm changing it up now is as long as you can create an emotion to a contact con <clears throat> to your content people will remember it but it's not yes. always a kind of emotion you want right it's got to have substance it's got to have value it's got to be something that will resonate with them to remember that substance like not that you had gangrene on your toe because of a wart that got infected yeah which has by the way it never happened to me i just made that up <laughs> sure hey, let me show you let me show you <laughs> so when it comes to emotion and logic and in sales i i the jumps that we've made in the last 30 years from a scientific standpoint are absolutely phenomenal. And it's really diving into neuro like neurology that I've learned how to change my approach. So the way the brain works is the emotional center of the brain, the neocortex is right in the middle. And then the frontal lobe kind of wraps around it. Mm -hmm. But the brainstem goes right into that neocortex. So all decisions, in order for it to a decision to be made and for it to go down the brainstem, you need to have an emotional decision. You need to have that emotion. But it, it becomes like a burrito. You need to have the logic around it for them to reinforce it. It can't just be messy emotions. You need to pa like pair it with the logic. It can't just purely be... 100% well this is what you should believe and here's fear of loss and why you should be afraid of this and here's some urgency and here's some no it needs to have logic to it too so if you're talking about that gross foot war there has to be a reason behind talking about it too honestly there has to be some logical reason look people if you if someone tried to dig in this little brain on all mind and try to find some logic where the hell I would pull out an infected wart from a toe that I don't. It's well, well, we already know it's because you have an infected foot. Like, like, let's not play about this. Like, it's go get some ice, get some like antibiotics, take care of it. I, we could cut it off, like have a couple of old fashions and saw it off Civil War style if you want to. Hold my old fashioned. Let's go. Yeah, we'll go for it. Like, we just here's your bottle of whiskey. Here, here's an orange that I'll throw at you. Uh, okay, so okay, let's let's bring this back here to uh, to the topic at hand. You're gonna. I knew this was gonna happen. Okay, so okay, you and I are good looking folks. How much I do you rely on it? Lie to me. Sunshine. <laughs> I actually, I actually love the red hair. It's something yeah. I will never have, and so I always, you know, people covet what they can't have or don't have. So I, I do love the red hair. That's what I get told. So now I found an actual like hipster barber. It took me forever to find one that I liked. 
But before, <laughs> like when I had to go to a hair salon, women pay so much for this color. I'm like, it, it's I look like a traffic cone, and I know that. Dude, I love that color. Like if I could pull that off, I would. Uh, but, but I would look like carrot top, like in the worst way. You know what I mean? But uh, well, I actually no carrot top. Well, let's just try again. He's really done a number. Stop with the facial surgeries, carrot top. Anyway, yeah, no, so, he, that is first of all, they haven't figured it out yet. Like, stop experimenting. <laughs> well, I think, well, I think he's actually got body dysmorphia, and this is again, we're not clinical uh, people, and we're not talking smack, but I do think, uh, I think there's a little bit of, uh, as an outsider looking, and I just feel like he's doing it. There's something so. In there. I did stand-up comedy for about a year in New York City, and I did pretty well until I started running out of money to get into the city. Um, but I was at college at the time, and I would just go in like twice a week. Most stand-up comics have something wrong with them. It, it, <laughs> it, it, like my favorite, like my favorite joke about it was Kyle Kinane said it, and he's like, "This is just a personality quirk that I'm trying to make money off of. That's what stand-up comedy is. It's like, oh, you like you like the way I am? Want to give me twenty bucks? Like that's what stand-up yeah. comedy is." <laughs> well, you know, it's just like the masks, right? The Greek masks. Is it Greek? Yeah, Greek, right? With the 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 sad face and the happy face. It's almost like yeah. it's it's. What's that saying? Oh my gosh! I swear to God, one day, people, I will learn idioms. But it's like two sides of the coin, same side, whatever. So, so um, like all sides. comedy has a root in tragedy. Is that the one you're yes. kind of thinking of? Yes, like okay. yes, that's what I'm saying. And yes, you are 100 right that um, the comedian that I've met and know, like they are some hardcore, like thoughtful individuals. Mm -hmm. And uh, but when they're on stage, they get to express their thoughts, if you will, and and they're poignant, right? It's because you people are smart. Like I said, like when you're doing your free form word things, conscience streaming goodness. It's yeah. doo -doo 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 -doo. So, um, so, you know, you and I were talking, my friend, and um, I just want, you know, I, I am a true to my word. I have my guitar right here. Oh, wow. We were supposed to be strumming and talking. I, I, do you I remember. I, I do not remember that because I have the memory of a goldfish now. You do you know why? The only reason why I would remember it is because we were actually texting each other and I was rereading our texts, going, "Oh shoot, that's what we were talking about. That's what we're going to be prepping for." So this is completely out of tune. Makes it. I just pulled there. it out. <laughs> it, it kind of digs into the whole branding thing as well, like showing the flaws, like a out of tune guitar. Oh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Let's so so what song shall we sing together? Because we said we would. Okay. I'm kidding. I can't play the guitar. I uh, just I, I can't I haven't even play, I haven't touched this thing in like a year. Yeah. Oh I, wow, it's so out of tune. <laughs> I love it. See, I've never had a good ear for music. Like I've never like when people are like, oh well that's an A note. Like I, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Can I just tell you something? My cousin just um told me to sing a thai song oh my gosh no i can't even can you imagine oh my okay if you know anything about thai songs you actually have to be able to sing and maybe speak the language well that's probably big too see I don't... so when i was growing up my mother didn't know any lullabies so she would sing irish drinking songs to me ah, i love it well, it, it sounds fun until you go to a bar. Like, picture walking into a bar and somebody singing Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> well, um, there, there's a couple songs that my mom used to sing to me that um, apparently I learned over time was a little bit... I mean, they were always proper. 
but apparently I didn't remember the proper way of singing him and I sing him all wrong anyway. So, yeah. but, but that's um, the whole word of mouth thing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that That's a whole nother diatribe to go down with history and word of mouth. And yeah. Oh, I love, but, I love oral history. Like if you ever like, have you ever like, like, I haven't done a huge research. I'm like one of those people, like I find things interesting and then I'll learn enough just to satiate my appetite to learn about it. And then yeah. I go on to the next type of thing. Like so, Wikipedia rabbit hole style. Oh, dude. I, I I don't know why I don't write for Wikipedia. That's like, boom, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know about this. I've never clicked this link before. Yeah. That's basically, <laughs> I started learning like all of Norse mythology about that. Like just one day, like now I could talk about like Thor dressing in drag to get his hammer back. Like I could tell those <laughs> stories now, all because of a three a.m. like Wikipedia rabbit hole. <laughs> That's what YouTube is for me. Oh, YouTube yeah. is the worst for me on that. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, so let let us we digress again. But wouldn't that be nice to like? Okay, so let's think about this. Is like, you know, people don't necessarily want to hear. Um, you know, they don't want to be lectured. No one wants to be lectured. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, when I do these shows, like on Wednesdays, it's really not about lecturing. It's really about, you know, eking out who you are, where our thoughts are. And, you know, we're all just here living on this little ball that we call Earth. You know, they found weird looking things on Mars the other day. I don't know if you noticed that. That's another one. Of I did not hear that. So Mars Rover, one of the rovers, I think it was Endeavor or I can't remember, Um, like to the screenshot and then like someone zoomed in and it looked like there was like this alien like laying out on a rock, like as if they're on the beach kind of okay. thing. And um, uh, yeah, so, hey, there might be life on, uh, you know, Mars now. Yeah. Just a random off topic thing. Okay, now if I were an alien though, what would I do then if I want to stand out and like, you know, win love and actually do sales if it's unnatural because you do talk about this quite a bit and i really love it which is you do talk about introverts who do sales because i think there is an assumption and, and you're right i'm an extrovert and i did sales for 20 odd years and i i've always felt like it was a natural thing but i've seen so many of my peers who were not extroverts who are bad ass sales reps and i'm just like holy smokes they're killing it yeah. So talk well, to me about that. Well, first you have to define introvert and extrovert because there's a lot of baggage associated with it over the last hundred years since Carl Jung came out with it. So the way I always dial it back is an introvert is somebody who recharges their batteries being alone. An extrovert recharges their batteries with a crowd. Yes, that, that's the easiest way to differentiate them all the shyness all the other things like it's all about being in that comfort zone having that right level of stimulus that's the easiest way to understand the two now introverts don't do well with big conversations talking with a million different people but mm-hmm. they do very well with deeper conversations like this so If you think about it this way, an extrovert likes more or less a puddle. They like a very wide amount of people that they have shallower conversations with. Yeah, yeah. Extroverts can do very, very well in sales if it's a more prospecting role. Think of the cold calling. Yep. I was just going to say. That could work very well because they could go to the bar and talk to everybody once and go home with the one person they want, like one person. (laughs) I wasn't going to go down that analogy, but we can definitely talk about that. But but there's enough of it that we all understand it. (laughs) What an introvert does is they find one or two people and they have a deep, deep conversation. So nothing drains an introvert more than small talk. Yes. 
you know, did you see the game last night? Crazy weather we're having. That's the biggest drain on an introvert there is. So what an introvert does very well is dive in and understand the problems a person has. And when they do that, they're able to solve that problem. So that's why introverts can be better at sales is because they actually dive in, pick up the implications, and then talk about ways to solve the problem. It's the classic spin method that Neil Rackham came up with. So you just threw this, just I got another light bulb moment. That's why I was in tech sales. There'd always be a salesperson, account manager, or business, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And there was and always an a sales engineer, right? Yeah. And um, sales engineers tend to be the introverts, but they were also the, the knowledge folks, right? They were the ones that actually knew the technology. They're the ones that can articulate the technology. They're the ones that could dig in and look at the environment and understand the client's problems, technically mm-hmm. speaking. And the salesperson, I mean, don't I don't want to diminish my role, people's, but it was this is maybe they didn't know it technically, but they did understand the bigger picture, which is if you can speak CEO speak, the C-suite speak, I felt, I feel like that's where my role often sat was I understood the overall arching issue, but there's also the details that still need to get fixed. Because just because you understand the ivory tower don't mean that that tower is going to hold up if you can't get the infrastructure correct, if that makes sense. So getting the C-suite on board is one thing, but it's usually not just up to the C-suite. It's up to the engineers. It's up to the managers in the mid-level who actually are going to implement everything. So you need the people who can get the CEO on their side, but you also need to make sure that you have the people in the middle who are actually delivering your piece of tech to actually get it to. You can't just have one. It can't just be, well, I know the CEO and he'll implement whatever I say. Or she, or whatever she says. Exactly. Uh (laughs) In fact, I actually believe that more women need to be in sales, even though it's such a male-dominated thing, because so much of the toxic behavior in sales kind of correlates to that toxic masculinity you see out there now, too. Oh, don't get me started on that. But the idea of, like, you need to dominate your client, you need to control the conversation, like, that's pretty toxic. (laughs) So, okay, we're running long again. I knew we could keep talking like this. So, hey, are you up for another 10 minutes or so combo? Of course. I'm going to run long. Sorry, yeah. guys that are listening and watching. I know it's only supposed to be 30 minutes, but I'm kind of having a lot of fun right now. So, so Fred, if you don't mind, let's keep going because I don't want to talk about toxic masculinity as in a male, anti-male, whatever. Yeah, I, yeah I that's think, a whole other pipeline to go through. I mean, I think I had another conversation about like, why is it? And, I, and, I, and I'm trying to get out of that mentality myself. I get it. I'm, I'm, I am a product of my generation, if you will, but uh, of my experiences is, you know, that hunter gatherer, you know, the, you know, that, that even that terminology and that usage to me, like, I'm sorry, hunter and farmer, not gatherer, but farmer. Well, well, right, yeah, that's exactly it is the difference between like, so many people see sales as a hunter role, like go out, eat what you kill. Yeah. And it's really the people who are the most successful are the people who build deep relationships, who nurture and they behave like a farmer. Those are the people who are the badasses in sales to take what you said. It's, and you can't do that without going deep. And that's where introverts excel. Right. I, I think, I think everyone has a time, like their place, if you will. I don't want to say their lane because you can always cross lanes at some point, but, but everyone has a role that, that to build a team. It's teamwork makes a dream work. Right. <laughs> so can I just ask you one quick question here? Because, um, so one of my other podcasts that I do, it's called the CISO diaries. Yeah. Shameless self-promotion CISO yep. diaries, check it out. Um, but it is something that has bothered me. You said more women in sales. 
For mm -hmm. me, it's more women in everything, <laughs> but okay. Yeah. And, and particularly cybersecurity, because that's kind of my, my whole, you know, hardcore roots. So shout out, Jared. I see you there, my friend. Um, is why do you think that is? Why aren't women who are intuitive, who know, I think, how to dig deep intuitively just by virtue of the roles that, you know, women quote traditionally play? Why, why isn't there more of it? Why wasn't that a natural progression? Um, to suit See, their personalities, it, if you will. It, it's tough to get into without making a lot of stereotypes. So I'm going to say that pretty much right off the rip because it's not going to be true for everybody. Like anytime you're talking men, women, you're relying on old school stereotypes. And that's just the and way it, it sucks. Is. And I, I know yeah. it's hard. It's a hard conversation. I get it. Now, the reason I attribute it to the uncertainty in sales, the commission only side of it the all of that the or base plus commission the uncertainty of what you're going to take home at the end of the month um is not always a great thing when you have two kids at home and yeah. that's th that's where i see the issue um i want to see more women in sales i think they can absolutely thrive and more women in everything absolutely but i think that Men just tend to be bigger risk takers, and I don't believe that's for any – that's more, again, totally stereotypical, but there's a reason why I have a table saw scar on my hand and my wife doesn't. Well – I've proven myself incompetent with the table saw, if you will. So uh, that's also called wisdom. Kidding. No, yes. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but, but, but you, know, you, you bring up a point, though. I think you, you're right on that as far as – We've seen this and it's been commented before. We, if women see a job description and it's been documented, if they see a job description and they don't click off 100% of the of the must-haves, there's a higher mm -hmm. probability that women don't apply for the job. Whereas men will be like, meh, I've got 20%. I'm going to apply. And yeah. I don't, I don't, is it, that's something that, you know, I just want to keep saying over and over again is apply, try, yeah. right? You, yeah. you miss 100% of the shots you never take. And it's, again, it's tough because we're absolutely talking in stereotypes. We're talking about cultural norms. I, I mean, I can't put that boilerplate stamp on there enough, but think about like the way men and women date. Men typically have to send 50, 60, 70 messages on a dating app, whereas women just sit back and can kind of pay, make their pick on those. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what that means, man. Well, I was just, um, I, like, I met my wife on uh, uh, one <laughs> of them. I don't remember what, but again, men are typically sending out a bunch of messages. They're, they're going the shotgun approach. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Now, okay. Just, I mean, I, I haven't been single in a long time, but yeah. um, it'll be 20 years in May. Gosh, yeah. help me. But, uh, but, but I did see my nephew in action at a bar um, over the holidays and holy smokes. You're right. He, he yes. just bounced down the bar. I'm like, can you be a little bit choosier? Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so wait, my friend Jared actually made a point, by the way. He said there was a yeah. shift in sales in the last five years or so. He says he saw the mass majority of men on the customer side, but you know how more women are on the sales engineer side on the vendor partner level. There are women on the vendor side, um, but at the same time, still not enough. I mean, now granted, I've been out of I've been out of tech sales in five years. So thanks for the reminder, Jared, that things have moved on without me. Um, <laughs> thanks, dude. Just without me. I know. The world, the I ship is sailed. To come to a standstill. 
ship continues to sail on. Yeah. Um, but okay. So, but okay. So again, let's go back to the original premise of this is so how you present yourself. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm squirreling again. When you are a, a corporate employee, you can still very much have your own personal brand. I think that's more than ever obvious. In the last five years, I've noticed far more corporate employees doing their own podcasts, for example, or creating their own, you know, digital content, whatever it might be on whatever platform you have. And I'm shocked, actually, that they're the major, you know, business enterprises, these uh, corporations are actually saying, okay, as long as you still follow the code of conduct, mm -hmm. have at it. Because 10 years ago, it was, yeah. no, you're not doing any, don't you dare get on social media because you're a representative of this organization. Now it's so much more fluid. So talk to me about this as a sales individual. If you're an introvert and, you know, people like you, like in your, you say you're more introverted, right? You said, yeah. or... And um, so I am a full-blown hide-in-the-basement introvert. I like nothing more than it being 3 o'clock in the morning, everything being quiet, and being able to think. Okay, so okay, so <laughs> what advice do you give then? Because it's not necessarily a natural feel to be like, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. Um, what, what advice do you give for folks that, uh, you know, to differentiate, them, differentiate themselves in sales? Because right now, it's hard. We can't get yeah. physically in front of each other at times. How are you going to differentiate yourself and approach your clients? So, so it's about knowing the way you recharge and being as focused on that as you possibly can and making sure you're putting yourself in positions to actually recharge. Um, if you've ever read uh, Susan Cain's Quiet, it's one of my favorite books out there about okay. introversion. And she tells a story of, I, I believe it was uh, William Henry Harrison. So prior to Harrison people would go out in the crowd and shake hands with everybody. And that was the way politics was done. What mm -hmm. he did instead is find one-on-one -on -one meetings and build deeper relationships as opposed to being the person who talks to everybody. So if you're going to be an introvert in sales, go in knowing that you have to put a system in place where you can have those deeper conversations, where you can be one-on-one -on -one and it scales up. Yeah, I like that. I like so, that. So it's just about knowing where your strengths are and trying to keep that ball in the strike zone as often as you possibly can. I love that. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, we could keep talking forever. You read, it's so much fun. Like, like I said, we've never talked before. This is yeah. like so nice. So I do want to give a shout out to Mr. Mike O'Connor because, uh, yes. That crazy son of a sea cook, uh, you know, service professionals network. I will do hashtag SPN in the house. Yes. Um, we're all new members. We just, we all just kind of hooked up. It's an interesting platform. Um, and it's, it's, it's a startup platform that's kicking some serious ASS. Shockingly yeah. people, I have not sworn this episode. Be proud of me. I'm learning sort of. Not Why really. the fuck not? Oh, oh. <laughs> I just had to like, don't, don't tell me what we haven't done. And then let's just go for it. We're live streaming on YouTube too. You know, <laughs> I have to put explicit on there now. <laughs> Young no, man. It's PG 13. Like you could say it once. Okay. So on that note, guys, the reason why I mentioned uh service professionals are SPN. Uh, and, and I will actually shout out to Frank Agin too. And also my good friend, um, um, I mean, oh we goodness. could go on the list. We could talk about Ira Bowman. We could talk about Mike Ashbrenner. We could talk like. Yeah. Oh, th those guys. 
they, they know who they are, damn it. They're going to be no, but no, it is this is the networking groups in general. So I was going to give a shout out. So, um, so, oh, JD, oh my God, JD, we got to get our podcast back together, JD. Anyway, so, uh, you know, JD, Frank, and, um, you know, Mike, what they've done are different ways to network and connect with uh, communities, disparate groups, industries. They, again, for me, my background's in tech. And so I didn't realize, and I should have known better, but my entire network was all technology people. It wasn't until after I left that I realized, holy crap, like it's like talking into a little thin hallway. Now it's like, now that I've opened up the doors, if you will, I've I've got a wonderful network of people in all different industries, different careers, and viewpoints. And so that's what I highly encourage. And that's what Service Professionals Network is doing. Frank Agan's networking, RX crew, that's by invitation only. Um, but that's a very intimate group, different approaches, different platforms. I'm mean, not even a platform, it's just different ways of going about community building and networking. I highly encourage everyone to check it out because that's the other thing. And I know people it, are like te texting right now. And, but anyway, um, is well, the... just to even bring, uh, uh, just as an introvert, networking is the strongest thing you can do because yes. you can build deeper relationships. You can have that, like me and Mike actually go and like we send memes back and forth. Like we both have a very similar dark sense of humor um, and we do that kind of thing. I wouldn't be able to do that as an extrovert where I'm spread too thin across too many people. Yeah. Be an introvert, put yourself in networking groups, whether it's electronic like spn or a bni group where you're live and talking to people in a room you can build deeper relationships there and have a consistent like stream of sources a consistent stream of referral deals it's just where your strengths are it's keeping that ball in the strike zone absolutely 100 percent. and just a personal other shout out shout out because damn it's my show and i'll say what i damn well please is Global Leaders Organization, shout out to everybody that's part of that. So this is a business organization, very similar that you would see in others that are, you know, I would say for heavily established organization, especially companies that are in the tens of millions plus of revenue. Global Leaders Organization is actually um, for the smaller business owner, but entrepreneurial pursuit that is looking to build a community. So full disclosure, I am the Dallas co-chair. And so as a local community here in Dallas, um, we have a chapter here for those that are looking, that are with established companies and are looking to accelerate their growth, seeking access to capital, or just want to be in a community of other entrepreneurs that are in similar spaces um, that understand your challenges. And of course, if you want to network locally and all that good stuff, Glow does have a um, international platform so we can interact with one another globally. So that's the cool thing about it as well is that you have the ability to talk to someone in Calgary or in Toronto or in Mexico City if you want to, or if you want to really duke it out with someone out of Philly as I've learned, you know, Rockies there and all that good stuff. That's what global leaders organization is all about. So um, that is something that I'm very passionate about. Find your network and community that works for you. We threw out a bunch of different opportunities for you. And for those that are part of the CISO diaries who are following from there, for those that are breaking into cybersecurity or transitioning into cybersecurity as a second career, look at Cyber Future Foundation. There are other great organizations out there. And if you're breaking into the career in cybersecurity, get active on LinkedIn or even any industry, get active on LinkedIn and get to know all the industry leaders 
connect with them, talk to them, engage with them on their comments, and you will find yourself ingratiating yourself in that community as well. So that's my networking. That's my personal branding and put yourself out there. And of course, all ships rise with the tide. So of course, promote yourself. But I feel like at the same time, promote others. Because when everyone in your community is successful, you're part of that crowd, right? And, you know, everyone likes to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And if you've got a really awesome community, people want to be part of it and gravitate towards it. So that was my rant. So, Red, what do you think? So uh, the one thing I'm going to add to that is we are in an environment now. We are in an economy now where building a brand is no longer optional. It just simply isn't. Um, you are either going to build your own brand or you're going to be subject to somebody else who did, whether it be an employer, whether it be a competitor. Somebody is going to build a brand. Somebody is going to have their tribe of followers. They're going to have their network. And you're going to have a tough time either building or breaking into one. Start now. That plant, best time to plant a tree 20 years ago stands true. Um, it's something that's taken me way too long to learn. And it's something I am actively like pushing for right now. I love that. I yeah. love it. Love it. Red, you know, you and I could keep talking forever, but this is supposed to be a 30 minute show, but we went long as usual because that's what I do. Congratulations, everyone. I have no respect for anyone's time. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can always watch this later and cut and paste and all that good stuff or watch it while you're washing your dishes. Um, Mike O'Connor is like blowing up our comments and I'm like yeah. trying to like catch up on that. But anyway, thank you, Red, so much. So for of those that want to get a hold of you and want to chat with you, like how can they get a hold of you? Um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Mike Red Staffstrom. Um, you could also find my blogs on SPN. You could find them at brokensalespeople.com. Um, you could find all the platforms. You could find my podcast there. Um, it's going to be relaunched as soon as I finish the electrical work. Um, I'm planning on creating a whole bunch more. So um, brokensalespeople.com, LinkedIn, those are really the two big ones. And SPN, obviously. Well, you know what? My apologies. I needed to add that your graphic into there. And I just realized, you know, when you're producing your own kind of show, when this is why I have nothing but profound respect for my engineers and all the <laughs> the engineers that actually do the professional stuff. Again, just full disclosure, I am a podcast producer, but I'm front of the house. This is my own personal project. So yeah, the production quality may not be all there, but but our engineers, when we do professional, is really badass. Just saying. At any rate, it doesn't have to be perfect. A plan executed right. at forty percent is a plan is better than any plan that's perfect that sits in the drawer and gets second guessed. Execute and figure it out. Red, I need to have you back more now, often. Tell me when, dude. This is a lot of fun. I, I actually had a lot of fun with you today. So, um, yeah, it's such a even with your foot fungus. I <laughs> Son of a speaker. I honestly don't people. But uh honestly, I don't know what this is another thing. What the hell goes on in the brain that they just come out with a random stuff? I I need a I need to get a uh what do you call it? A neuro person to like figure out like when you're nervous or excitable or maybe too much coffee, like what goes on in your brain. Like, if you know anybody, hey, if there's there, any there is a point where there's too much coffee. You know, I've been told I don't need coffee. So for me, drinking this, and by the way, this is like a 22 ounce, I think. I think they said it's 22 ounce. I'm cutting back. I used to do a quart a day. Mm. I don't think that's healthy for you. No, almost nothing I do. Like, what doesn't kill you gives you unhealthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> 
Mm. Maybe and I don't want you back. Months, like, I've got a 20-month-old. Like, he's 20 months today. Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> I know. Congratulations, though. So, and uh, I well, had hey, very it, little to do with it. <laughs> I well, will admit kinda, that. You you were there for one critical part. That's all I'm saying. But yeah, and she kind of tolerates me now, so I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Red, you're a rock star. I love you. For those that want to get to know Red Mike Stastrom, um, hit him up on LinkedIn. Of course, on his podcast, he's the unsales guy. Company is broken, and I apologize. I probably should have gotten your logo a bit brighter. Broken sales people, check it out. I think he's going to give you some great advice and coaching for those again that you know, just looking to refine and understand how they can maximize their sales potential. So on that note, Red, thanks again. I think we're going to wrap this, up. This awesome. I can't wait to do it again. Awesome. All right, guys, that's it for this week of the Mike is Listening Show.